0: Hello dear listener, welcome back to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod and with me as co-host today, diehard Richmond supporter, Paddy Grinlay. Paddy, how are you?
1: G'day Casper, I'm well. How about you, mate?
0: Yeah, good, thank you. Even better now that I know that the entire Essendon backline isn't going to be wiped out for two weeks, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> First, to review the games that actually did happen in round three. uh, Very, very interesting results. I think very interesting weekend of football. Uh, Let's get to it. Our top two highlights from the weekend that's been. I'll go first. My first one are the Sydney Swans. And I want to know, are we sleeping on the Sydney Swans? They are yet to play four quarters of football but uh, consistently well. However, they are two and one, very unlucky to lose to Essendon in round two. You could argue very lucky to win against the pros, but for a large portion of that game, they dominated Adelaide. Really, if it wasn't for the first quarter, the Sydney Swans would have won by a lot more. They are playing brilliantly. Isaac Heaney is playing out of his skin. Ollie Florent, I feel like is about to explode. I think that this Sydney team could potentially push for a top eight spot and say to all those naysayers who said that they were going to finish bottom four, bottom six, I don't think so. What about your first highlight, Paddy? Yep.
1: Uh, So my one is the Western Bulldogs. So I was, before the season had started, I'd penciled them in for at least top six. I think it was the Dogs' year to really come back into things. I thought that they had the right list shape Led by Bontepelli, McRae and Dunkley. Midfield, incredibly strong. Aaron Norton, well, he'd, he'd been dominant in the periods of the 2019 season. And I was thinking, surely he'll just go to strength to strength. And with Josh Bruce coming into that forward line, they'll only get better. Great off-season, but it hadn't really translated to their performance quite yet on the field. And at 0-2, you know, I, I was prepared to probably put, tip them out of the 8 at that point. You know, they hadn't played good footy. Their mids were getting beaten. They'd been smashed by Collingwood before the coronavirus break. And they came back on the park. So they played, they played the Saints um, in round two and they, were, and they were drubbed. They played the Saints and they were smacked. And I was fully expecting them to lose to the Giants on Friday night. I think most of the AFL world was as well. And they, they played really well. The Giants went the knuckle. The Dogs went at the footy. And managed to kick, kick your wings sore.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that game proved as well. Uh, We saw last year, Brisbane, Port Adelaide, we saw the power players really go after Longy Neal and really just physically target him, who was a very aggressive brand from Port. And they completely forgot the fact that there was a football game. And I feel like the Giants did the exact same thing on Friday night with Marcus Bontempelli. How about your second highlight?
1: So the second one is Carlton. Um, and this probably, I think it wins over the top of the dogs. They were brilliant. Um, especially their tall forwards. I was really impressed with Levi Casbolt, Harry Mackay and Mitch McGovern. Their mids beat Geelong all night. Alistair Clarkson, you know, he called Geelong no good on Thursday night. And on Saturday night, we all sort of got a vision as to why. Because the Cats were poor, but the Blues were exceptional. For three quarters, they dominated Geelong, which is hard to do down at Kidinya Park. Of course, the Cats did eventually come back, but the Blues were able to hold on. And it was really, really lovely to see Eddie Betts. You know, It may be his final season. It may be his second last season. But you wouldn't know it for the way he played on Saturday night. He was fantastic. And look, there's, there's, there's definite hope for the Blues. I wasn't too excited for their fans after the first two rounds of the season. They hadn't really looked like they'd improved on last year. But we definitely saw a glimpse about what's to come. In those first three quarters on Saturday night, and that's an important building block for the rest of their year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Saturday, Saturday night was awesome from Carlton, really for three quarters, as you mentioned, and then the last quarter, they kind of stopped, but that's to be expected from a young team that's playing at that yep. level of intensity. Uh, and really, with these shortened quarters, all you need to do is just build up a big enough lead, even if you do choke most of it away. You're still going to come out on top due to the short quarters. So you know it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't really matter how poorly you play in the last quarter if you play like premiers in the in the first three. I think for yeah, me, exactly I was originally going to say the dogs were my second highlight, but instead I'll mention how well Hawthorne played. Uh, you touched upon Alistair Clarkson. He last week said that the Hawks played like a fourth-rate side. Uh, against Geelong, losing by 10 goals down at Kardinia Park. If that was the fourth-rate Hawks version last week, this is the, on, on Thursday night, was the premiership team from 2013 to 2015. Vintage, vintage, vintage Alistair Clarkson led Hawthorne. They were dominant. They put so much pressure on Richmond's transition that whenever the Tigers did get an inside 50, which wasn't that often, They just, it always fell short. Never those long, deep balls, which always Tom Lynch and Jack Rewalt like to gobble up. Their defense played awesome. Their midfield played amazing. Silk is going to play forever. I'm convinced he's never going to (laughs) retire. It was an incredible victory for Hawthorne. And as an Essendon supporter, it was incredibly disappointing to see. But nevertheless, very impressive from the Hawks. Now, the contrast. Our top two lowlights. Uh, you can go first. What was your first low light of the round?
1: Well, I think it's fairly straightforward, unfortunately, for Adelaide fans. Their team is just not good enough. Um, I thought that potentially there's enough, you know, they've got some good players still at that club. Like you've got the Crouch brothers, you've got Rory Sloan, Talia, Rory Laird, Tom Lynch, Taylor Walker. Like you've got guys there who should make this team competitive. They weren't competitive against Port the other week. Mm. You know, you think, okay, well, Port actually look like they're okay this year. You know, inspired contest. All right, we'll, give, we'll give the Crows a week to maybe figure it out against a much improved Gold Coast side. But they were really bad. Like they were really bad. Um, Gold Coast flogged them, um, which is a really weird sentence to say. And I suppose that sort of summarises twenty twenty in a nutshell. Like, what? Well, I think there were, what, 13 players, 12 or 13 Adelaide players who didn't have 10 possessions. You know, there's they were just uncompetitive. And that is a massive problem. You can be poor, you can finish in the bottom four, but you've got to compete a little bit. And they just, they're not firing a shot. Um, it's going to be a bad year. And it's going to be a bad couple of years if this doesn't turn around. Um and when you've got a, as many kids as they do in their side, you're going to ruin their confidence. When you've got your remaining good players, you're probably going to end up having to ship them off because who wants to play for a team that's going to get drubbed by, what, 10 goals by Gold Coast? And it's not really quite fair on Gold Coast to put that sentence in. They were remarkably good, the Suns. And they, they're in the top four at the moment. But Adelaide have got Brisbane next week, and that's going to be a massacre, I dare say. It's probably about the only easy tip for next round. Um, yeah. Massive, massive problems at Adelaide.
0: Yeah, look, I agree. I know that in the top two highlights, I changed one of my highlights because it was the same as one of your highlights. But I'm also going to go with the crows as one of my lowlights. They were so bad. Yeah. It was so bad, and it's not like they did. They have a lack of personnel. I know. The, I know the players they've let. They've um let go of. I know that they've let go of any bets. I know that they've let go of all these talented players. But they still have the Crouch brothers, Rory Atkins, who might be out for a while, Rory Sloan, Taylor Walker. They have all these gun players. What's happened to them? They only played in a grand final in 2017. What on earth has happened to them? This is the worst season we've seen in the competition since Melbourne back in 2013. Melbourne in 2013, they had two wins all year. Their first three games, they got pumped by Port in a game that they were expected to win by just under 80 points. They got crushed by Essendon by just under 150 points, and then they lost to West Coast by just under 100 points. And I tell you what, if the quarters were longer in Adelaide's three games thus far, with maybe the exception of round one against the Swans, but definitely round two, around three, we would see similar margins if the quarters were normal lengths. As well, yeah. you mentioned the amount of disposals that the Crows players had. I remember listening to that game and one of the commentators mentioned that with about five minutes to go in the match, out of the 22 Gold Coast players, 17 of them had at least 10 disposals or more. That's incredible from a Gold Coast point of view, but from an Adelaide point of view, you can't let that happen. They were doormats. They were absolute doormats on Sunday. And Mark Ricciuto, the comments that he made the week before I frankly don't know why you would dare make that type of a comment. I frankly don't understand why you would risk making that type of a comment when your team is as bad as they are. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me, especially because of the fact, and I was watching a footy classified segment with Kane Corns who mentioned who played a little clip where Mark Rasciuto talked about why they let go of Hugh Greenwood. Yes. And him saying that, oh, it's his age, he's not going to play in our next premiership. And Kane Corns pointed out all the players that are above 28 or above. And Hugh Greenwood, I think it's 28. So 28 and above. And you have the likes of Worry Atkins, Warri Sloan, uh, uh, Taylor Walker, Bryce Gibbs, Paul Seedsman, and you have a look at all these talented players who are playing terribly. And I agree with Kane Corns when he said, maybe that's the reason why they're not playing anymore because they know the fact that their club doesn't believe that they can win a premiership in the rest of their career. So why bother? But despite yeah. that, I also agree with what Matthew Lloyd said in response, which was, you still got to play for the pride in the jumper, right? No matter how ugly the jumper might be. And with Adelaide, it could be hit and miss sometimes. You still got yeah. to play for the pride in the jumper. And I think that Adelaide at the moment, they don't have any pride. And I agree. I think that the Brisbane Lions are going to win very comfortably, but we'll get to that with the tips. My second low light, I'm wearing my Essendon uh, beanie for those who can't see me. And I have my Essendon football next to me on the desk. I'm drinking out of my Essendon water bottle. And (sighs) the details of... Connor McKenna's positive test is yet to be properly revealed. It's yet to be revealed how he got it. Um, I'm just glad the fact that Essendon won't have our entire backline missing. <laughs> this puts players um, on notice for the remaining for the remainder of the season, right? So for players who complain, why can't we play golf? Why can't we go surfing? It's because of instances like this, right? You are playing a game where blokes tackle each other who beat the undying living heck out of each other for two hours every single week. And they sweat all over each other, there's there's spit on the ground, there's opportunity for transmission everywhere. That is why I think the AFL has put the restrictions that they have, and I think that that's why it's important for the players to, and perhaps this is a bit harsh for me to say, but to suck it up for a little bit, okay? Because at the moment, this game and the future of football and the future of footy in 2020 is worth so much more than a golf game that you're missing out on. We will get to Connor McKenna later. But first, the most surprising result of the weekend, for me, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't go your second low light. My apologies.
1: Oh, no, it's okay. I feel like you've hit the nam- hammer on the head with Conor McKenna, but we will return to him a bit later in the show, I suppose. Um, so, on to your surprising
0: result, Casper. My surprising result was Calton. Uh, just incredible victory. I could not believe how well they were playing. Everyone was playing well. Pitnet, Pitnet may have been the best Racken on the weekend. And think about that, right? A competition <laughs> where you have Brody Grundy, and I know Max Scorn didn't play, but you have all these talented ruckmen, and the best one on the weekend, I reckon, was Pitnet. He was incredible. Yep. He was incredible, and I heard—I uh, can't remember where I heard this from—but uh, the coach Teague said that if Cruiser was available, he would keep playing Pitnet, and I agree with that. Keep going with what works. Keep going with what works. Cruiser, I love him. He's too injury prone. Pitnet looks awesome, and so keep going with that. Calton, it's working. It's working. It's working. Eddie Betts, it's great to see him playing well. I hope he doesn't play well this coming weekend. I hope he plays terribly. But then after that, go to <laughs> so crazy. Go crazy. snags from the pocket. I still remember when I was eleven. Uh, yeah, when I was eleven. That game in 2011, FNB Calton, when Andrew Walker took that towering mark over the top of Jake Carlisle, Eddie Betts gave eight goals in that game against us. And so I'm very, very, very nervous for Saturday night if he continues to play as well as he did last Saturday. But Carlton, wonderful job. You should have won by more than what you did, but still pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, they were great, the Blues. I'm um, a massive wrap for a young team that comes up against the odds, and especially in that sort of game, Geelong coming off a drubbing of Hawthorne. Playing on their own home deck. Really, Brandon Parford was the only guy who actually really went out of that side um, for that game. Um, you know, Jack Stephen comes in. Geelong playing a really strong team. And the Blues, you know, they they might be all right. You know, it's, it's weird that they did start poorly. You know, they're relying... Heavily at the moment on, on Patrick Cripps in that midfield, but it, it all seemed to work out, at least for the first three quarters before Geelong came back. But there are really positive signs. There, they won't be the Brisbane of this year, but you know, 2021, potentially 2022, they're looking like pretty good years for Carlton supporters.
0: Can you smell what the Blues are cooking? <laughs> it smells
1: pretty good. It smells pretty uh, good. I can indeed. Look, I, and, I, and they're going to get Charlie Curnow back into that forward line as well. Yeah, there's so. a lot of things which are, yeah, there are, there are things that are ready to go well for the Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a good young list. They have, you know, experienced campaigners who are leading their, their side in different spots. You know, you've got Simpson in the back line, you've got Mark Murphy in the middle, and you've got the aforementioned Eddie Betts in the forward line. They look a little bit more settled. They looked very settled against the Cats. They looked completely different from the team that got absolutely trounced by Melbourne in the first half. In round two, they looked very different from the team that got absolutely trounced by Richmond in round one. However long that, that was ago, it feels like an age away, Casper. Yeah. But yeah, look, my surprising result, um, I've covered the Blues and I, I think I'll go with, with, my, with my own team, Richmond. Um, I think this, is, this has been the result of probably three years of teams discussing how, how do you beat the Tigers? How uh, can you beat them week on week? And Richmond would have known that that sort of pressure, blitzkrieg, smash and grab, smash and run game style. It wasn't long for this world. It's the reason why they brought in Lynch. It's the reason why they played two Ruckman in last year's grand final. But I think we—we, we, it's probably not a full stop on that plan yet, but it definitely is a comma or a colon of some sort. Um, teams now know how to play Richmond. It used to be Collingwood. Collingwood knew how to play the Tigers. they they kick it short. They'd maintain possession and they... But that famous pre-final victory, and then they won again in round two, of 2019. You know, got the draw last week, uh, two weeks ago now. Um, but Hawthorne have figured it out as well, and I'm sure that you'll see the Saints try and, you know, restrict them that way. So there's got to be a bit of a change for the Tigers. They need to focus potentially on using the ball better, getting some good users on the outside rather than focusing on crash and, crash and dash. Get it to those big blokes. Rewalt isn't the same player he was last year. Guys like Kane Lambert and Shane Edwards and even Dave Asprey haven't started exceptionally well. Um, their midfield doesn't look up to it as much as it did last year. You know, of course, they were without Dustin Martin last week uh, against the Hawks last week. But it didn't really seem to matter. I think if you put Dusty into that side, they still lose. They still lose by a decent amount. The Hawks were great. I Take nothing away from the Hawks. But I think this is the moment where Richmond need to figure out, okay, how do we respond? How do we actually go back to the top of the ladder? How do we contend this year? Because if they play this way for the rest of the year, they might not make the eight. They're outside at the moment. I can't see them coming back in if they're going to play like that for the rest
0: of the wow. year. Wow. Big call. Big call. And I got judged In the round two preview, when I gave my ladder prediction for not having Richmond inside the top four, uh, that's looking like a pretty smart decision at the moment. Early days, yeah, early days, yeah. Early days, early days, but... Yeah, yeah, look, you're right. 17 rounds. You're right, and the Tigers can't leave it to round 14 like they did last year. Yeah. We'll see uh, what the fixture after round five has for Richmond, but it's going to be interesting. Uh, My biggest positive result, Gold Coast. They are the hottest in the competition. They sit fourth. There's no reason why if this momentum doesn't continue, they can't finish in the finals. Maybe even top four. Think about that. (laughs) Think about that. Gold Coast finishing top four. Can you imagine that? That is the world we are living in at the moment. It's incredible to think about. right? For me, I'm looking at the Suns, I'm looking at Raul, I'm looking at Anderson, I'm looking at Uh, King, King looks awesome. Mm -hmm. All hail the two Kings. One at the Saints, one at the Suns. They both look incredible. Would not be surprised if they play off against each other in a couple of grand finals this decade, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Mm -hmm. Gold Coast this year, at the moment, they are the hottest team in the competition, maybe behind Collingwood. I think Collingwood at the moment is the hottest team, followed by Gold Coast. The Suns look awesome. Now, our biggest... Uh, who's your biggest positive result? Uh, which team surprised you the most presently? Weird way to phrase it. Um,
1: yeah. Look, I'll, I'll, I know you've just covered the Suns, but I'll, I'll add my voice to the clamour as well. It's, yeah, it's remarkable what Stewie Dew has done in what, the space of one off-season. You know, all of a sudden that midfield looks extremely dynamic. They've got blokes like Tuke Miller, Lockie Weller, um, Brandon Ellis comes in, Jack, Bow- Bowes was, Bow- Bowes, Jack Bowes was already there, Darcy McPherson already there. But you add one or two blokes in, Raul, Ellis, Anderson, Buderick, and all of a sudden the team is completely different. Like, they smashed the Eagles last week and it didn't feel real and they sort of doubled down on that. But, you know, people tip the crows against the suns, knowing how bad the crows were against port. People tip the crows because it's easy not to respect the suns. And why would you? They haven't made the finals yet in their existence. They they're known as the basket case of the AFL. People want to move them to Tasmania every couple of weeks. <laughs> and I'm sure if they eventually do um, you know, break the trend and maybe lose a few times, that sort of discussion will start bubbling up again. But you know, they demand respect now, don't they? They've they haven't looked like losing yet since the COVID break has stopped, which is crazy to say about a team that hasn't looked like winning for the best part of its existence. Um, there's, very, there's very little that you can really say about the Suns apart from, you know, they're really, really good. If this was another team, you'd be saying, okay, yep, finals is a pass mark at this rate. If they don't make the finals from here, if we're talking about, I don't know, a, a Brisbane or a West Coast or, or a Melbourne or a North Melbourne, or Port Adelaide you know you say "All right, this team should make finals and if they don't make finals there's a problem something's gone terribly wrong if if the Suns don't make the finals this year something's gone terribly wrong how how weird of a sentence is that to say it's the most 2020 thing imaginable
0: it is it is a oh team on the goodness. gold coast oh my goodness I can't believe we're saying that but it's true now conversely the biggest disappointment for me uh it's the other expansion club, the Giants. They had a real opportunity. I know they were missing Green. I know they're missing Kelly. I know, I know, I know. But that's not an excuse for how poorly they played. They should have learnt from Port Adelaide last year, who targeted Lockie Neal, as I mentioned, when the power played Brisbane and how poorly that turned out for them. That became a little bit of a meme as well with Ken Hinckley before that game saying, oh, we're gonna we're gonna bully, we're gonna bully Lockie Neal. And it was in fact Brisbane doing the bullying yeah. on Port Adelaide. It was the same thing. You know, the bullies ended up bullying the Giants. And that's exactly what happened. The dogs were awesome. The Giants were terrible. Marcus Bontempelli, yep. that last goal that he kicked was unbelievable. On the ground, are you kidding me? Surrounded by a whole nest of Giants players. It was an incredible performance from Bontempelli. Incredibly disappointed from the Giants. We'll get on to the Giants and the Tigers and the Eagles later. There are problems there. But for you, who was your biggest disappointment?
1: um if i'm going to if i'm going to go away from the giants for a second um i think i might touch a little bit on north melbourne um purely because this was a game really where they should be up they should have set up their season you know being unbeaten in 2020 going into the clash they're playing at marvel you know they've just had this great away win against the giants you know they've they've had this whole game plan around crash and bash brutality and yes you know they lost um they lost to the Swans and the Swans are good. Let's give some respect to the Swans. They've been good for a long time. They're well coached. They're well drilled. But it feels a lot like, oh, what might have been. Because North, you know, they could be second on the ladder right now. They really should be second on the ladder. The way they played against the Giants and that sort of response they've had. They've got some real, some exceptional players who've really arced up. I'm, I'm loving the work of Jai Simkin through the midfield. He's taken a massive leap. He's almost one of the better players at the club now. But it does. It's it's not so much of a disappointment or a or a letdown. It's it's more just that feeling of you know, you know we could be seeing North second on the ladder. We could see North second on the ladder playing Hawthorne. Um, you know, going going to be what four and one. You know, there's an alternate universe where North Melbourne are four and one in a seventeen round season. Yeah, that that's a finals appearance pretty much in the book. on if if all things you know go okay from there. But yeah that's a game you can't afford to drop. I think if you're a final side, if you're trying to set up your year in a seventeen round season where you're only going to get one shot at a team, you've got to take the ones that are at your home deck where you're playing against a side which potentially isn't as good as you know some others because they're going to come they're going to come up against a few really good teams in a little bit and I'm assuming once that um once we get out of this five fixture block, I'm assuming that Melbourne clubs might have to go into hubs and then, then all of a sudden you know. You're going over, yeah, going up to Queensland, and you're playing Brisbane and Gold Coast, and which is crazy to say again about Gold Coast, but you know this is this is the easy one. You have got to win the easy ones, and if you're going to be a finals team, you can't afford to drop those ones, and especially considering how well they played probably the first half of that game and just stopped straight afterwards. Oh, lots of respect to the Swans for fighting their way back into the game and winning pretty, pretty comprehensively in the end. The margin didn't really tell the story of their Dominance after halftime. But yeah, it's a shame. North North will be disappointed with that effort. But I, I'm looking forward to them bouncing back against the Hawks this week.
0: Let's move on to the big talking points. Since you brought up hubs, uh, let's let's discuss hubs. At the moment, as it stands, the AFL is facing a bit of a bit of a tough grind to figure out this fixture because. The Western Australian Premier, Mark McGowan, refuses to open up the borders, and understandably so, Western Australia is doing very well with COVID-19, and New South Wales and Victoria are not. Um, Most of the country is, but those two states are absolutely not, especially Victoria at the moment. Oh, Victoria. bit. so I can understand why he's hesitant, but it does mean that the AFL is faced with a tricky situation for scheduling round six, seven, eight, and nine, that next block. Uh, here's yep. my solution to make it fair, because inevitably you should have a WA hub just to make it fair to the Dockers and the Eagles, and plus with Mark McGowan saying that they could get 60,000 people at Office Stadium in just a few weeks. That is absolutely massive for the AFL and it beats it playing is. in front of an empty MCG. Um, I think the solution for me is that you split the team into three groups of six. Here's a, here's my uh, high school level math coming into play yeah. here. Uh, split the groups into six. Have Six of them play in WA, in a Western Australian hub. So you have Eagles, the Dockers, and have four Victorian teams that haven't played those two teams yet. So it won't be Richmond because the Tigers have played or would have played West Coast by then. It won't be Melbourne because the Demons have also played West Coast. And it won't be Essendon because the Bombers played Fremantle round one. So have four Victorian teams travel out West Stay in, stay in Perth, play games in Perth, play games at Fremantle Oval, why not? If you want to play at Fremantle Oval, eh, you know why not take it back to the suburbs a little bit? Um, and then have one in South Australia where you have Adelaide and Port, uh, plus the New South Wales teams, plus a couple of extra uh, Victorian clubs in there, again, who haven't played the Crows, Swans, Power or Giants yet. And then here's one that might be a little bit controversial, The Northern Territory, why haven't we hub there yet? It's arguably the safest place in terms of coronavirus numbers in the country and probably in the world at the moment, outside of New Zealand. Love you, Jacinda. But at the (coughs) moment, the Northern Territory is the safest place in the country to play Aussie rules football. And if you're worried about having six teams in a small city like Darwin, split them up into, I don't know, split them up and play some of the games in Down and some of the games in Alice and you know swap the teams around. You know, that way Alice gets some football as well and Down gets some footy also. I just think that it makes sense. And for the Suns and the Lions, it's not that far to travel. You know, they're playing up there as well, so it'll probably be more of an advantage to them. But you know, still until WA and South Australia and Queensland opens up their borders to New South Wales and Victoria hubs are the only real way that the season can progress the only negative side for me with that idea is that if the wa hub goes ahead and if the south australia hub goes ahead and the northern territory hub goes ahead the amount of teams that are going to have to go on um go into quarantine for two weeks upon entering those states and territory like that that for me is risky uh for the afl because i don't think they want to have a two-week break um no, no. Yeah, it's weird. I can't imagine teams having a two-week bye. But what do you think? Hub, hub situation. Hub.
1: Yeah. Look, um, West Coast and Fremantle have done a great thing for the AFL by going into the Queensland hubs. And they really should be rewarded. So if there's a situation where you can have a WA hub, I'm not sure if you actually can at the moment, you want to try and have that. If that's not the way things are going to work, you're probably having another hub in potentially Queensland. Like, like it, might, it might be that you just send a bunch of Melbourne clubs up there, you know, you, you've, you, because you know, your Queensland teams have been playing there for an extended period of time. I agree with the NT. You've got this state there, you've got footy facilities there that haven't been used. You've got this really interesting fixture crunch situation where you don't want to have a heap of games in, in Melbourne purely because of the COVID situation in Victoria. So why not play at an NT? It's a great opportunity. You can have crowds there, I'm sure. I'm not exactly sure what the, um, the announcement over the gatherings there is in the NT, but I'm assuming due to their response to the COVID crisis, that there's going to be people there. Why not play some footy in the NT? Why not play a few weeks there? You can send some Melbourne clubs up there. Go crazy. Um, same situation. I think you can use the South, South Australia as a hub. Um. Yeah, look, I feel like there's answers for it. But the, the issue I, I have a little bit is that at what point does it probably become unreasonable to be sending AFL players away for a potentially a month away from their families when, when most of these guys have young families? And we're also talking about 18, 19-year-olds who have probably never really spent much time away from home. And all of a sudden you're taking them out of that situation and moving them into an entirely different state. I mean, yes, it comes with the territory. You do travel as an AFL player and you make enough, you make a bit of money that there's, I think we're reaching almost a bit of a clash between, you know, having an AFL season flow and having an AFL season that doesn't really feel we don't, you know, we're not taking two weeks off every so often. And having a situation where we're probably prioritizing, you know, dealing with a global pandemic, I love. I want to see as much footy as I can. I don't want to have to, you know, go through the coronavirus pandemic where, you know, my, my weekend sort of pilgrimage to the, to the television to watch what nine <laughs> games of footy is interrupted. But, you know, as we've seen in Victoria and as we've seen with Connor McKenna, um, you know, Essendon are going to be without McKenna and also James Stewart, who is luckily, considering, the only bummer who will have to be in quarantine. After I the was amazed. Kind of
0: Situation. I was, I was yeah. Amazed. That's astounding. I was dumbfounded when I read. Yeah. Can I just say though, whoever yeah. thought at Essendon that it was that, that it was a good idea for all the defenders to train in the one group should be fired like yesterday. <sighs> I cannot believe the stupidity of such a decision because it's mind boggling. Why would you have an entire group of defenders or a entire group of midfielders or a entire group of forward training together when the entire purpose of that is to isolate the risk in case one of your players does have coronavirus? It makes absolutely no sense. And we have escaped, <laughs> We've escaped the worst of this possible situation because Redmond could have been out, Hurley could have been out, Hooker could have been out, Saad could have been out. Yeah. That's our back line. Carlton and Carlton were licking <laughs> their lips. They
1: were licking their lips. Looking, uh, Eddie
0: Betts, yeah. Oh Look, my and that's God. the thing. He would have but cut them the shreds.
1: Yeah, but, but that's where it sort of comes into it. Because um, the alternative to that is that you either have players training in smaller groups or you have little mixed, you have mixed groups of midfields and forwards and maybe you don't quite get the, the cohesion between the midfield group and the backline group and the forward group. And already we're seeing, like particularly with some clubs, including Richmond, there's a bit of a disconnect between lines. Like for example, Richmond's defense against Hawthorne was fantastic. Their forwards and midfielders was not so much. Um, so that's the that, that's where the question comes in for me. You know, are we going, you know, we're we going to have a, a lower standard of footy when we're, when we're having eight people training in group, in, in a group? We're gonna have a lower standard of footy if we can't have as much contact at training. At what point do we say, all right let's actually respond to the coronavirus. Let's get that thing sorted as much as we can before we actually kick off footy because at what point does, it, does the product really become, you know, not unwatchable, but it's not as entertaining. Um, there was a really, I think it was might have been in the age, though I'm not sure, but there was, a fe- there was an interesting point made that after, the, um, after round two, after footy's return, the TV numbers dropped again. Probably because casual viewers saw the Richmond-Collingwood game, which was a very low-standard, very scrubby game of footy, and thought, well, maybe not. Maybe I don't want to watch footy as much if it's going to be like this. Um, So I think we're getting to that point. Um, I don't think this is the last time that we're going to have an issue with a player, maybe not testing positive, but a player having a, a testing issue or an isolation issue, especially the Victorian clubs, obviously, living in Melbourne being so close to some of those hotspot areas, which now the federal government are recommending that you don't go to and you don't leave. So, we're going to have to, um, there's going to be a moment where the AFL will probably, I'm not saying they'll clash, but there'll be a discussion between the AFL and potentially the Department of Health about saying, okay, if not the country, then probably Victoria. We can't have games here, you know we've got to, if we're getting to have an a f l season you've got to get these ten victorian clubs and you've got them got to get them to go elsewhere yeah. for an extended period of time, and that's a really interesting discussion with the players about if if that's actually reasonable to have them have to do that but yeah it's it's an interesting time to be an a f l fan and um I'm looking forward to seeing what
0: those discussions result in yeah, I agree, I agree, moving on to your beloved Tigers, as well as the Eagles and the Giants. Uh, Three teams that many in the AFL probably would have had contending for the flag this year, it's fair to say, Uh, along with Collingwood and maybe Brisbane, maybe Hawthorne. But those three are the main ones, right? What's what's happened? What has happened to these three teams? They are playing truly uninspiring football. We'll start off with the Giants. I don't know what's happening with GWS, to be honest with you, right? Their hunger isn't there, which if you look at Richmond, at least you guys have won a couple of flags in recent years. You can understand the hunger. (laughs) Yeah, that's not bad, eh? But the Giants haven't done anything. The Giants have done absolutely nothing. What did they want? They won won a prelim final. Whoop-de-doo. So has most of the competition. So what have you guys done? Absolutely nothing. And the hunger's not there. And I don't know why. I don't know why the hunger's not there. It's confusing. It's not like they've had a horrible run with injuries either. Yes, Toronto um, uh, and and Green, I, I get that those two plays are very, very important. I get it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And the loss against the Kangaroos, we don't know how good North Melbourne is going to be. And so if North Melbourne finished top four, at the end of the season, you know, you can look back around two and think, okay, well that wasn't that bad of a loss. But the loss to the dogs, that's bad. That's very, very bad. Especially, yeah. you know, the dogs are a team that you hate. That's a very bad loss. Uh, that's just something not yep. happening. There's a disconnect that's happening. I think the same with Richmond. They haven't had to travel they haven't had to travel since the qualifying final of last year. They don't have any excuses, mm. they don't have any yep. This Saturday, they make their longest trek since early September last year, going all those many kilometers, all those many hundreds of miles to Marvel Stadium. And then they go to the Gold Coast. Round five is their first trip interstate since Brisbane last year. They don't have any excuses. And it's good players too. It's not the young players. It's not like Pickett, okay, Pickett, he's a young player, He's going to have ups and downs. It's the experienced players. Because even Dusty last week wasn't playing that great. Baccia Hulli isn't playing that great. Daniel Rioli isn't playing that great. Lich and Riewoldt Seymour. Dylan Grimes got torn to shreds. I don't know what's happening at the moment with Richmond. Tell me, Richmond supporter, help me figure this out. What is happening?
1: Well, um, yeah, look, it's an interesting situation. I think um, if we're talking about hunger, what the Tigers had in 2019 after the 2018 prelim loss, they they had a number of guys come in. They brought in Sydney Stack. They brought in Tom Lynch. They had Shea Bolton came in for a little bit. I think that was also in 2018. They always brought new players in. And what that adds isn't just a, you know, a point of difference or get some guys some games, but it also adds... You know, you're playing for someone. You know, you're playing for the new kid who's come in or you're playing for the big recruit. It adds a bit of spark because all of a sudden, this isn't the same team that won the flag last year or got to a prelim or whatever. It's a different team. You're playing a bit of a different game plan. And the difference between what, what was the case with the Tigers last year and now is that that hasn't happened yet. This is the same team. This is literally the same team. There's been no change. The players that they've brought in um, in round one, like we'd already seen before, we haven't had a guy come in from another club. There hasn't been a guy who's come in off, off the list to make his debut. It's been, you know, Basha Hawley was out and came back in with a calf injury. The only one has been Jack Higgins. And Higgins has been fantastic. I, I'm a massive fan of what Agreed. he's done. Agreed. But there's no, there's no real spark to the Tigers at the moment. They look very similar. And I think they would understand the, this game plan where they just run And they run and tackle and pressure and they kick goals. It works for them. But Collingwood had worked it out before, and Hawthorne worked it out. They're going to have to change now. I think I think they'll come good. I think it'll happen a bit quicker than people think. I am also a bit optimistic because I barrack for the buggers. Mm -hmm. But there are players in this team who probably wouldn't get a game for um, another club because of what they bring. Like a guy like, for example, they're nothing against him. And it, of course, being a Richmond supporter, Jack Graham is a guy who I eternally respect for A, his 2017 grand final performance and B, playing with a dislocated shoulder in last year's pre But Graham, is a tough inside midfielder and he's there to tackle and put pressure on. And at another club, you could probably find a few midfielders like that or his spot would be occupied by a winger or a guy who can use the footy. And Richmond, he, could be, he, he might be dropped for a guy like Patrick Nash on the outside, He's a fantastic kicker of the footy. And maybe that's the switch that Richmond have to make. They maybe have to go, okay, this isn't quite working. So we're going to change. We're going to make a quick little turn. And we're going to play a different bloke. And I think that that'll probably, that's, they've done that before. Like, they've, they've brought in, you know, they played the 2017 Grand Final with Toby Nankervis, who at the moment is more of a, I say, a ruck forward. And then their backup ruckman was Sean Greek. Then they had one key forward and the centre-half forward was Josh Caddy. You know, Two years later, they're playing with Soldo as well as Nankervis and Lynch as well as Rewalt. So they're able to change. Um, the question is hunger. They've got to probably bring... I think they've got to bring in another young bloke. They've got to bring in a bloke who hasn't really had an extended go at AFL level, who adds something that isn't along the lines of how they play. They brought in Stack last year. They looked a hell of a lot more dynamic. They had this bloke who was laying blokes out with huge bumps, taking speckies, kicking torques. You know, you had Shea Bolton, he's an electric player. But they haven't added anyone who really brings that excitement. Yes, they've got Higgins, but Higgins has been at the club for, th- for three years now. So um, I think they need to probably bring in a guy potentially potentially like a Thompson Dow, who was their first pick in last year's draft, who's been going reportedly well in the scratch matches. Maybe a Noah Balter comes in again. They need a point of difference. They need something that sort of brings them to the next level. Because at the moment, they're they're just sort of going. And teams can figure out a team that's just going. You can tell when a team doesn't have the hunger. And that sort of brings me eventually to GWS. Now, I have a theory on GWS. Um, At the end, they played Hawthorne last year in Canberra, at Canberra in the snow. You know, they have a very rec- good record at Canberra, the Giants. And they, they just didn't turn up. They looked soft. They looked a bit mentally weak. I've got to say they looked a bit immature. They d- weren't up for the contest. long were, and they dropped them. And that was a Giants side that, on talent, should have smacked the Hawks. And they didn't. They got smacked themselves um again know, in, in the grand final they had a they sort of formed up to that point they'd sort of formed a brand of hard-nosed inside tough maybe a little bit dirty but they were a tough brutal team and against richmond they got smashed the tigers played very well the giants looked a bit tired and we sort of gave them that you know they'd had that big run i don't when i saw the giants go the knuckle against the dogs and then proceed to not really carry on with good footy at ground level apart from that, you sort of see a team that hasn't really got past that point that they were against the Hawks. Yes, they've got to a grand final. You know, they're expected to probably get close to there again. You know, on the inside, I'm sure that their goal this year is to go back to the grand final and win the thing. Of course it is. That's where they should be. But they're not. And they haven't been there for a while. And they're still falling victim to this game plan where they decide to play mind games and decide to try and punch the other bloke in the head. And the Dogs, you know, they, they should have smashed the Dogs. Mm-hmm. Like, the Dogs were good, but they weren't They weren't fantastic. This wasn't like a Hawthorne performance, that Hawthorne performed against Richmond. They just beat a team that weren't good. The Giants just, I don't know. I don't get how, as a side, you can lose to North Melbourne. You can have that loss, and you don't galvanise and then respond with really good footy. Instead, you galvanise by trying to punch Marcus Bontempelli in the head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they weren't in that game from the very start. They go down by 24 points. It's probably a margin that flatters them. They kick four goals. Like, why, you know, you've got really nothing. You haven't got anything this season to go on for the Lions. You know, they're outside of the eight. They're currently 12. And now they play Collingwood next week, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a team that could easily be one and three. You know, and... One in three teams don't often go on to make really make the finals. To be honest, but um, yeah, concerns at the Giants. I think I don't think they've actually gotten past what's held them back in the last few years. Once they actually get to the finals, um, yes, no Kelly, yes, no Green. I don't think that's an excuse. They just weren't good enough.
0: No Kelly, just no Green. Smart enough.
1: Yeah. Like and, and and in this case, they've still got Canelio. Yeah, they've still got a strong backline. Yeah, they've still got you know a Coleman medalist up forward, yeah. Harry Himmelberg, Jeremy Finlayson, Harry Perryman, who's yeah. been very good, kicked a lot of goals this year, and it counted for nothing. They kicked one goal in the first half.
0: Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Uh, you mentioned before that Richmond hasn't hasn't brought in anyone. Uh, West Coast has. Yes, They they, they did bring in someone and it wasn't your average Joe off the street. Mm. It was a very above average Tim that they brought in instead from Geelong. And this above average Tim, Tim Kelly, was supposed to take the Eagles that extra step further back to 2018. I don't get what's happened with them. Now you could blame the... You could... I guess, blame the hub for draining a team. I get it. And, you know, being on the opposite side of the country from your loved ones must be incredibly difficult. I get it. But that's not an excuse for Port Adelaide. They seem to be playing very well in the hub. And it's not like, Mm. well, okay, yeah, true. The Eagles played Brisbane. Brisbane is a premiership contender. Fremantle isn't. But don't forget the Eagles had an opportunity to beat one of the one team that we thought was going to be at the bottom of the ladder in Gold Coast last mm-hmm. week, and they didn't take it. I think it's an attitude problem with the Eagles. They're too easy to play against. And they have this woe is me attitude at the moment for wanting to go back home. At the moment, they've been dealt a very bad hand, but it's the hand they got and they have to work with it. And in a short season, you might not be able to win 10 in a row to make it to finals if you start this poorly. Like, this is a very, very, very bad start to the season for the Eagles. And who knows how long it's going to be before they go back. Now, moving on. Injuries and suspensions. No suspensions this week and a nice change of pace. No suspensions this week. Uh, Main injuries that I saw... um, were the biggest one was Rory Atkins for Adelaide. Yep. According to afl.com.au's Callum Toomey, he has a high grade AC joint injury in the right shoulder. Um this could be potentially disastrous for Adelaide. But I thought Atkins was actually okay. I thought I thought that yeah. this year he's actually been one of the crows playing all right football. And when you lose that level of that level of expertise on the ground, with such a young playing group, it could lead to disasters for the crows. Uh, let's hope he gets back sooner rather than later. In bigger news, uh, Trelaw and Mason Coxzilla, as NFL former NFL punter Pat Maxey calls him. Uh, they could be back this week for Collingwood and if so, it's going to spell problems for the Giants. That's spell big trouble. Uh, Dyson Heppel didn't mention him last week, but he is out for a long time after having surgery on his ankle. Dersmer is a big injury. Yeah. That's a big injury. Potentially, at the moment, it's looking like a month out or so, which I guess is better than what it could be, because I guess in hamstring injuries, really bad ones could go anywhere for five to six weeks. Having them out for three to four isn't as bad, but you're coming up against an angry West Coast team and a Brisbane team prove, wanting to prove that they should be premiership favourites in the next two weeks. And he's been essential for the power of the three weeks, especially last week against the Crocs. He was awesome this is potentially a massive, yeah. out. massive, massive, massive out. Um, yeah. What do you think of the Dursley injury?
1: It's a real shame. Um, he was looking super solid. Uh, again, he was brilliant against, the, um, brilliant against the Crows where he kicked three. Um, and he just sort of like put Adelaide are a fun team to watch. They're just exciting. Um, this is the sort of thing that you would have hoped to see you know, a couple of years ago when they recruited Steve and Motlop, just that exciting energy in that team, and you're seeing it on display at the moment. They've been a real surprise, and I'm I'm liking what they're showing, and hopefully they'll be able to strut their stuff in their prison bars um, on many an occasion this year. So it's a shame for um, it's a shame to, that they're going to lose Dersma, but I don't think it's going to harm them quite as much. Um, they've had a really, really good start to this year. I think they'll continue on their merry way. Got a lot of youth in that side that's helping them out. You know, the likes of Connor Rosie, everyone knows about Connor. He's been fantastic. Todd Marshall's quietly having a very, very good year in in a key forward position. Um, Zach Butters as well. So, Porter, great. I think they'll be okay. The the other injury that that concerns me some is uh, Josh Dunkley's ankle injury.
0: So I mean, he's on yeah.
1: a syndesmosis, and he's going to miss six weeks. They reckon. So, look, I'm I'm less like even though they did the, they did beat the Giants, and it was a was a tough, grueling, hard-fought win. But I don't still don't know about the dogs and that done injury. It's it's going to make it difficult. He's a very good midfielder. He's risen up to probably. You know, nearly a grade stand in the last few years, and you know, they've got a big game to play against the Swans on Thursday night. And without him, ah, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a hard ask regardless. But I think losing one of your top three mids is going to really make it quite difficult. I'd also like to you know just recognise that after the um the Giants and Dogs game, 15 players were fined. Um, for that massive melee at three quarter time, yeah. and Alan Norton, as we know, wasn't cited um, for his you know, heat on Lockie Whitfield, where he was going the footy. So, and I'm pretty happy to see that he'll be lining up on Thursday night. There's nothing to say at match review for that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, would have been unlucky for him to get rubbed out for that. Uh, moving on. That's a great way to transition to our round four tips. Who's going to win by how much and why Thursday night football? It's the Swannies and the Bullies at the SCG. Uh, My tip is the Swans by 19 points, simply because I think that Sydney has been playing better football more consistently thus far this season, and off of form, they're the better team at the moment than the Dogs, and they're playing at home which isn't that, much of an, isn't that much of a home ground advantage for Sydney in recent years, but they showed signs of turning that around against the Bombers. Because in recent years, Sydney's losing margin at the SCG has been pretty high. You saw consistently matches decided uh, that the Swans have lost between 20 and 40 points, uh, which you just don't see with the home ground advantage. Unlikely to lose to the Bombers by only a goal. I expect the Swans to continue their winning ways and consign the dogs back to the loser category swans by 19 who do you have
1: yep for all the reasons mentioned swans will win it i've got them by three goals so pretty much exactly um exactly as much as you have they've just they've been consistent and it's rare for a team this year to be consistent it's really hard to keep your um your squad together you you know keep your identity strong that's exactly what the Swans have done. They had that tough loss, of course, to Essendon, but responded by beating a much improved north side at Marvel. I'd love to be able to tip the dogs, but while they did have a really important win against the Giants, there's still a lot of ground for them to make up so far this year. So I think the Swans will be too strong. Really enjoying enjoying the, the work of Kennedy, Parker, Flora in the midfield liking Isaac Heaney. He was a bit quieter against North, had some work put into him. But yeah, look, I think I think the Swans should do it. And I think they'll they'll probably do it fairly easily. I don't think really the dogs I think yeah I think the dogs are a couple of weeks away from probably sorting out their team as best they'd like they might be starting a bit behind the eight ball in 2020.
0: Speaking of doing it fairly easily the other game in New South Wales this week at Giants Stadium, the Giants host Collingwood. Uh, Mason Cox, as mentioned before, and Adam Trelaw, could very well come back into the team to play the Giants. And on form, Collingwood could win about 50 points. I expect the Giants yeah. to breathing fire. I expect the Giants to come out breathing fire. And I think that they would have learnt their lesson for targeting the man, And I think they'll target the ball more in this particular game. They'll show more spirit because they have to. They have to. There's too much pride. You can't get crushed three weeks in a row. And really, they have been crushed three weeks in a row. Don't let the margin against North Melbourne fool you. That was a comfortable win for the Kangaroos. That being said, though, they'll show a lot of spirit. They'll show a lot of heart. But Collingwood, at the moment, is the best team in the competition. And I think I may have just thrown up in my mouth a little bit saying that, but it's true. Uh, Collingwood
1: by twenty three points. Yeah, look, I think it should be a um, it should be an easy win for Collingwood. I think, as you said, the Giants will come out. They'll have to respond. But then again, um, saying that they didn't respond last week, they yeah, look, they, they, I was expecting a response after the North Melbourne loss, and they didn't get it, or the response was the wrong one. They are gonna get presumably they're gonna get Green back and Kelly back. But yeah, look, I think if if, if the Pies do get Trelaw back and even without him, their midfield it have been fantastic has been fantastic. Yeah, look, I think I think Collingwood by four goals um, too strong for the Giants and it really puts GWS in a in a painful position as we sort of navigate into the next fixture block.
0: I agree. Endelbury is evergreen. He is never going to get old. Jeremy Howe as well. Jeremy Howe. There's there's so many talented players. How have they not won a premiership yet? Uh, Paul Collingwood. I don't mean that. I'm always happy when they lose. But anyways, moving on to Saturday afternoon football. Metricon Stadium. Port Adelaide hosting West Coast Crunch Game for the Eagles. Crunch game for West Coast. The next two weeks will decide their season, I reckon. Crunch game for the Eagles, Port Adelaide looking good. Injury concern with Dersma. West Coast, will Jeremy McGovern be back? Will he not be back? That will be decided later on in the week, obviously. On form, Port should win this comfortably. But this is a funny game, and this is a funny season. And this is an especially weird part of a very funny season of a very funny game. Still tipping Port, but it's going to be a close one, I reckon. Port Adelaide by five goals. Did I say a close one? I meant a blowout. Port Adelaide by five goals.
1: Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, Look, I think this will be really close. The Eagles, the Gold Coast loss was bad. Fell off the cliffs in the second half against the Lions. I will give them a, a slight pass. The Lions and the Suns both have started really hot. It's hard to beat a team when they're you're playing, you know, out of your home state. You know, these teams are playing in their home state and they're playing better. Two Queensland sides, so yeah, it's a huge game. It's almost it's not a must win, but they have well, they've got Port and then they've got Richmond the week after. So there's two. Really line ball games, I think, which, is, which will set up the season. I, I do believe that West Coast will eventually respond. They will have a few games inevitably in their home state for, and they'll have a fair few of them as the season continues on. But I'm expecting Port's hot start to continue. But I think it's going to be a close one. I think by, by Port, by under a goal.
0: Ooh, a thriller on Saturday afternoon. I love it. Saturday, Twilight, we have the Fight Like Maddie game. A brilliant, brilliant, brilliant um, campaign to raise money for bone marrow failure treatment. If you want more information, please go to www.mrv.org.au and see if you can donate, see if you can buy a beanie as well. rv.org.au, brilliant cause. And I think this will be a brilliant game. I think this will be a great game of football. Richmond versus St. Kilda, the Saints. Yeah, not a great game against Collingwood, but that's okay. They're still flying. Richmond are not. They're floundering. But Richmond has to respond sooner rather than later. Which is why I'm tipping Richmond in a thriller by 13 points.
1: Nice. I knew that. I would be love to see it. I knew that. would be <laughs> look. Yeah, look. Richmond, you know, in my head, objectively, they're too good to, you know, completely lose it again. They're too, they're too good to drop another one, you'd think. The concern I have about the Tigers is that there are many, many passengers in that side against Hawthorne um, and in the side against Collingwood. They will get Dusty Martin back, hopefully, from that, um, that rib injury that ruled him out of the Hawthorne game. And I expect there will be a few um, changes with a few players omitted. If a side can respond after a tough loss, it's probably the reigning Premier. Um, they had a tough period last year. You know, their last loss of the, um, the 2019 season was the bye against Adelaide. And they had remarkable wins earlier in the season against Fremantle and against Port Adelaide a week after getting smacked by um in the Fremantle game they were beaten by the dogs the week beforehand and in the Port Adelaide game they were beaten by the Giants the week beforehand. So following history, I think they respond. I think the Saints are a good team, but I think at Richmond's well not even at Richmond's best, a Richmond res- a Richmond response, a rich- good Richmond response should see them win this one. Um, I think it'll be about 14, 15 points.
0: This one should be interesting. Two traditional rivals, two traditional Melbourne-based rivals. Clash at the NCG, Carlton off the back of a great win in Geelong and Essendon off the back of uh, an unexpected two-week break. This is (laughs) very interesting. As an Essendon supporter, this game makes me nervous, especially in recent history. Carlton in the 2010s proved to be a team that always seemed to spoil our season. Um, I still have mental scars from 2018, when we were one of only two teams to to lose to them. Uh, 2017, even though we made finals, we lost to them early in the season. Uh, Don't forget 2014, we headed into the finals with so much confidence until round 23, the weekend before finals, when we drew with Carlton the 2011, elimination final. I can just go on and on and on. Eddie Betts, eight goals, eight goals. Never forget that game. Never forget <laughs> that game. Never forget meeting Eddie Betts in Abu Dhabi. That off-season when Carlton came to the UAE and taking a photo with him in my Essendon jumper, he and I were the same height, and him just looking at me with like a look of like, what? Oh, what are you wearing? And I was like, look, I get it. I get it. You kicked eight goals against us. I know, I know, I know, I know. No need to mention now. I know I get it. But um, no, seriously, Eddie is an incredible person and I love him to bits. If only he didn't play for Carlton. That being said, Essendon has a better team. Essendon has a better playing list, has a better coaching structure, has a better coach. And has a better form. We're after round, we're into round four and we're undefeated. I'm thinking about it like that. It will continue, it will be a thriller on Saturday night, a 10-point win to the Bombers. Who do you have?
1: I'm gonna make you very unhappy and tip Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, look, for me, it's a psychological thing. Um, yes, we're going to actually see most of Essendon's backline play, which was avoiding a potentially awful situation. But, Carlton are really impressive against the Cats. And if they can do it against Geelong, I think they can do it against the Bombers. And I feel like having not played for a little bit, having gone through a pretty stressful couple of weeks, it's not going to be a very well-prepared Essendon team that they're going to come up against. Uh, Confidence and momentum are huge in football, and they're going to be enormous this year. Because if you've got the if you've got things clicking for you, you're most likely going to win a game. Because there's going to be several clubs this year. There's already a few. We've talked about the Giants, the Tigers, the Eagles. Where just things aren't working, and it's very hard to get yourself out of that in normal circumstances. But when you can't really train together as much as you'd like to, and that situation's going to be even worse at Essendon, considering what considering one of their players has the coronavirus, and one other one's in quarantine. I feel like if if there was ever an opportunity for Carlton to steal one against an old rival it's probably this game right here and I think I'm confident that they can do it. They were great against the Cats. Yes, they did go missing in that final quarter. But I think it I think this is the week where Carlton go all right, you know, when we're, we're not an easy beat team, we're not here to potentially make up the numbers. We're not here to win the occasional upset game. We can win games on our own terms. We can win games where it's set up for us to win on talent on our own ability, and we can actually do that. So I think Carlton win, I'm going to say, by three goals um, because it'll work into that narrative of them waking up, coming of age a little bit. But look, it's, it's a big crossroads game. I think with Essendon, if they win... It's an incredibly galvanizing victory. They'll be unbeaten. They'll be, you know, responding to the McKenna situation in the best way possible. But, gee, it's it's a hard mountain to climb. It'll be a hard mountain to climb against anyone in the competition, except maybe the Crows. But, yeah, look, I'm taking the Blues. I don't feel 100% on but I just have this sneaking suspicion that uh, two on the trot here, Carlton.
0: That's fair enough, and look, that's your opinion. Of course, in response to that, (laughs) about the number of galvanizing victories Essendon has had over the last 10 years alone, but that's your right. That's your right to tip the blues, and it's your right for Essendon to prove you wrong on Saturday night. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) Saturday night Moving on. Fremantle would have looked at this game three weeks ago as an opportunity for a win. I'm not too sure that they would be so confident anymore. The Suns are flying. It's Gold Coast v. Fremantle the second week in a row that we're having a doubleheader at Metricon Stadium. This is very interesting. Uh, The Suns are flying. They have an opportunity, a real opportunity, to win three games in a row. I can't believe I'm saying that. Suns win three games in a row. Hear thee, hear thee. The Suns are really good. I feel like a <laughs> like town crying in cuckoo land saying the suns are good. Hear thee, hear the Gold Coast for the finals. Not getting ahead of myself there. Gold Coast are really good. They could do it. Matt Ryle could win the Brownlow medal. Could win the Brownlow medal. Why not throw in the Norm Smith as well? He could win everything. He could win it all. We thought Dustin Martin's year in 2017 was good. Hold your horses. Matt Ryle is currently saying to him, Oh yeah, my beer. From a a socially distant, safe distance, obviously, but hold my beer. The Suns will win this game, and I think win this game well. Fremantle look good, but they're the definition of a two-man team. Matt Fife and Michael Walters, they're going to have serious shoulder problems later on in life carrying this Fremantle team. Uh, (laughs) The Suns are going to win by 24 points, and that sounds to me like it could be a little bit generous to the Dockers.
1: Yeah, Suns win this one. Um, The game, which for me that they were going to be judged on, um, considering their win against West Coast, where people were checking if that was an aberration or not, was last week against the Crows. Yes, the Crows are like really awful. Like they're the only team who I can't really imagine stringing a couple of games together. But to defeat a team by that much two weeks in a row and then come up against the Fremantle side, which, yes, they were pretty good against the Lions, but Port ended up doing it fairly easily last week. You know, the Suns win it. The Suns continued their rise up the ladder, pun not intended. Mm. They went three on the trot. And, you know, I don't know. I think Freo, Freo are a weird team. They're, yes, Fife and Walters and Brayshaw's looking Okay. But I don't know, they're they, they, they just sort of, speaking about a make-up the numbers team, they're just sort of stuck in that sort of 13th to 15th feeling, like you can just pencil them in and a lot of prediction and return to it, and they're usually close to that mark. So, look, big, big game, I think, for the Suns to double down on that, those last two wins, just to, you know, because West Coast are good, but Adelaide are terrible. And if this isn't an opportunity really to take a scalp, and throw of an opportunity to prove to the rest of the competition that, you know, you're not here to upset people. You're not here to beat the easy beats. You're actually here to win every week. Um, yeah, so sun's, suns by, I think, four or five girls.
0: Agreed. The next game, I don't think I have to explain that much. Sunday's first match at the Gabba, Brisbane v. Adelaide. Adelaide's old jumper. Yeah. Called... Adelaide's old jumper with the design of like the colours bleeding from the crow used to be called like the murder of crows, I think it used to be referred to. Uh, And I think that that's what Brisbane do is going to be an absolute crushing victory for the Lions. I don't think it matters what jumper Adelaide is going to wear. They are playing ugly, unattractive football at the moment. Brisbane is playing beautiful football. And that's why I think Brisbane are going to win by 80 points.
1: Look, throw a dart at a piece of paper with every number between 40 and 100 written on it and you've got a margin. Um, It'll be a Brisbane win. You can, if Adelaide managed to pull this out, look, you know, parade parade me down, you know, parade me down Burke Street. Let everyone throw rotten fruit at me. I I just cannot see Adelaide, you know, beating anyone at the moment. They're just, they're bereft. And Brisbane are good. I don't think their wins so far against Fremantle and West Coast have really told me that they can win the flag. Um, they're playing, I think they're um, they're important to get away. I think their best footy this year is still to come. Really liking Huma Cluggage. Really liking Huma Cluggage. Really liking Lockie Neal. Um, that midfield is starting to look really dangerous. Um, yeah, so Brisbane, I don't know, what? Give me a number between 40 and 100, Casper.
0: 72.
1: There you go. Lions by 72. <laughs> 12 goals.
0: 12 goals. Nice, even 12 goal crushing. This game at the MCG could potentially be very interesting. Melbourne was so frustrated about not playing us on the weekend that they took the frustration out on each other. Uh was <laughs> very beautiful Melbourne thing to have happen. You, you know... It's the most it's the most typical thing for for it to happen at the Demons. Uh Geelong need to bounce back. I think they will bounce back. It was a bad loss yeah. against Carlton. It was a very bad loss against Carlton. But Geelong Melbourne is one of those teams that Geelong just has the wood over for a long, long, long time. Yeah, I know the 2018 elimination final. And I know Melbourne supporters, I can hear you. Through the screen when you're listening to this, I can hear you saying, what about 2015 when we beat the Cats down in Geelong? I get it. I get it. I do. But I will remind you of 2011 when Geelong won by just under 190 points. I will remind you (laughs) of round one, Max Gorn missing wide left. Flashbacks. And Jack Tui later on in the season at the Cattery not missing wide left. I I can remind you of so many instances when Geelong has had your measure, and this will be another chapter in that very, very, very depressing book for Melbourne supporters. Look, the demons, I think, are better than Last Place, but that's really only because of the fact that Last Place looks so terrible this season. Um, mm. Geelong by 22. Yeah, look, this is an interesting
1: one. Um, I'm thinking... By my own logic, I'm thinking yes and a lose because of that extra week off. I think what, will, what might, might hurt the Dons might aid the Ds because they had a pretty unconvincing and beating Carlton. They spent the week presumably thinking, OK, we can play one good half of footy. Let's play two of them. And then their game got cancelled, so they came out hard in that practice match against each other. Cats were poor. One great quarter does not, you know, ignore the first three abysmal ones. Where, of course, Carton were very good. Let's just let's give the blues as much credit as they deserve. This is, I think this is almost lineball because you're looking at a Melbourne team which are desperate to play. You're also looking for a Melbourne team who are desperate to avoid that 2019 horror year. You're looking at a Geelong team who smashed Hawthorne and then they lost to the, they lost to the Giants. They, got, they, they did smash the Hawks and then they lost to the, the, um, the Blues. I don't know how good Geelong are yet. I don't know how much that Kelly absence is going to hurt them. Yes, Parfitt and Narkel are playing pretty well for the midfield. Parfitt obviously didn't play last week. I don't know. This is close. I'm going to say the Cats by a goal. Um, though I can see this going the other way because Geelong don't inspire a lot of confidence in me at the moment. I don't think their side is going to get much better, um, really, than it is. I don't really see where that next move is coming from. Reece Stanley looked awesome against Hawthorne, and then you know, ran him a bath, gave him a bath, tucked him into bed, read him his favourite bednight story. <laughs> he was just unbelievable. Um, and watching that game, you know, I don't know. The Cats are weird. I can't gauge. I can't get a little bit of a number on them. For, for oddly enough, the team that finished first last year. So Cats by a goal, but I don't feel comfortable about that prediction. I think Melbourne will come out hard, and I think for a fair old period of this game, they will dominate the Cats, but as the Cats showed last week, they can respond, they can come back from a 42-point margin as it ended up being to nearly stealing a game. They probably should have stolen it in the end. Um, but my thinking is that if they won last, if they'd beaten the Blues, they would have lost this week. They lost to the Blues. I think they'll, I think
0: they'll get up by a goal, but
1: well, oh, it's close. It's
0: always a good game when Hawthorne and North Melbourne play. Always a good game. As you mentioned, the Dogs and Giants game got a little bit nasty. Uh, A little bit of a melee going on at three-quarter time. I expect nothing less but a bigger melee. Maybe even two or three different melees. Maybe one melee at quarter time, one at half time, one at three-quarter time. And why not throw one in at the final siren as well? These two teams did not like each other at all. Hawthorne versus North Melbourne, I think could be the game of the round. Great game, great showpiece for Sunday night football. The Mm Americans, waking up, are going to love this game, especially Pat McAfee. I think the Hawks are going to win by 15 points. They have better form than North Melbourne. I think, they obviously, their coach is far better than North Melbourne. Alistair Clarkson is one of the best coaches in the history of the competition. I said it. It's true. The numbers back me up on that. Four Premiership Cups. Excuse me. Four Premiership Cups. How many? Four. Not three. Not five. The number of the counting shall be four. (laughs) I think
1: that that reason... Nice Monty Python reference.
0: Thank you, thank you. For that reason and that reason only, the Hawks should win by 15 points in what I think is going to be a brutal game. I would not be shocked if North have gone low.
1: Yeah. This is close. I'm looking forward to just watching Cameron Zaha for another 110 minutes of football. Um, Yeah, North have been good. I was really disappointed in them for losing to Sydney in the way they did in that second half, just sort of falling over. They have the players, I think, as we saw against the Saints before the COVID break a little bit, more so against the Giants in round two. But the Hawks were great against the Tigers. Um, Yes, that game plan was basically, you know, just stop Richmond. Yeah, and but the thing is, is that that midfield, with Jaguar O'Meara back, Jeez, it's good. That's a that's a good team. Um, and That's a team that can probably string a little bit of the street together and make advantage of the struggling group of so-called contenders to maybe jump up the ladder. So I think Hawthorne do it probably by f- three or four goals in a bit of a statement win. I'd like to see North try and avoid going the knuckle. I'd like to see them... S- Focus on responding to that Sydney loss by really playing it really cohesive, having a cohesive effort in the midfield. But look, I think Hawks have the better mid so far. They were great last week. They were stung into action after losing to Geelong. I think they'll be good again.
0: This should be a very interesting round of
1: football.
0: Paddy, thank you for joining.
1: This will be a massive round. No worries, Casper. It's been my pleasure.
0: And thank you, dear listener, for listening to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casma McLeod, and hopefully, uh, I'll see you next week. Bye.